the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. It is Wednesday, March 8th. The franchise tag deadline has come and gone. That is the focal point today. Dan Selman joins me to break down the six players who are officially under a franchise tag offer for 2023, what their future might hold in terms of a long-term extension, what the double tag scenario is for each player, where we think this is headed, and uh, a full complete breakdown of the Lamar Jackson craziness, including the lack of offer sheets apparently coming, what that means, why we're there, what the non-exclusive tag means for Lamar, the Ravens side of this, the Lamar side of this, any other teams that may be tinkering or at least considering this situation, and our thoughts about where this heads really over the next couple of seasons with his financial future. Keith Smith continues to post great work on SpotTrack.com. Please check it out. His next contract series continues with Dylan Brooks, a polarizing player from a polarizing Memphis Grizzlies team that continues to be up and down despite, you know, healthily in the playoffs in that Western Conference right now. Uh, Keith's going to continue to crank those out. I know he was on Twitter yesterday basically asking, you know, who do you want to see? There's a lot of names that are at least approaching an extension and or free agency that Keith can dive into. He wants to know and, and get the pulse of the nation. Right? Where do the NBA fans want to see these con- this contract series going next? And he's going to flip gears to the league and teams specifically soon. I'm sure that Lakers stuff is coming around because, I don't know, is LeBron sticking around for this? Right? Is Anthony Davis going to be allowed to stick around for this Lakers next two or three years despite his contract guarantees? Uh, lots to talk about with Keith. And by the way, Keith and Scott are evolving the NBA portion of SpotTrack.com as we speak, adding some new positional groupings, breaking out the draft, uh, beefing up the, the roster management tools so that you can trade draft picks. You can consider the rookies and the rookie wage scale as you build your team this offseason because July 1st is right around the corner. And, you know, what are the Suns going to do to continue to get better? How are the Lakers going to maneuver? What can Philly do to stay relevant in the East? You'll be able to manage all of those things right on SpotTrack.com even better than ever. So as Keith and Scott continue to do their work, we'll be posting and talking about that here. It's an NFL show. Franchise tags are set. Who's getting the big payday now? And uh, we are just a week away from the actual start of the 2023 league year, which means we are only five days away from the legal tampering period, one of my favorite terms in all of sports. It's here. It's the big NFL offseason. We talk more about that next. All right, Dan. It's a franchise tag recap segment here. I know that's not your bread and butter, but I need uh, I need somebody to make sure that I don't stand on the soapbox too long and, and scream collusion with Lamar Jackson. So we're going to save that for last. Um, let's run through these running backs because I think they're all kind of unique, even though it's the same price point. I think in some of these cases, the teams are thinking similarly, but... Uh, let's start with Josh Jacobs. Won the rushing title. Basically went from zero to a hundred last year, right? I mean, he was he was the backup on that roster to start the year, especially in the preseason, and he forced his way to the top of that uh, the position. I mean, complete one eighty. They're without a quarterback in Las Vegas right now. You know, you can put all the rumors you want to it. It sounds to me like it's going to be Jared Stidham plus a rookie. You know, and if you want to toss Garoppolo in that conversation. I don't even know how much that moves the needle in terms of what Josh Jacobs' usage is going to look like. And that's the point here. Of all these backs, Pollard, Barkley, Jacobs, that we're going to talk about here, 
this is the bell cow, right? I mean, this is the guy. Barkley's getting a lot of the attention because the Giants are New York-based and there's a Daniel Jones conversation attached to it. But do you agree that this is sort of the running back right now? I th- <clears throat> I think I'd have to settle there. Um, do you have concerns? Well, it's a little bit puzzling how they're choosing to build this. Um, yeah. You know, investing in a running back, but at the same time, um, maybe they, if they are going to move forward with Stidham and kind of a stripped down offense, maybe they do just want to lean on John J- Josh Jacobs for an additional year without having to make a long-term commitment. Um, it just seems like you, you might want to kind of bottom out a little bit if you are in sort of a rebuilding mode, but I do understand, you know, the Devonte Adams signing last year kind of signals that you I mean, can you yeah. really do a full rebuild when you have things like that on your payroll? Um, so I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of saying they're sort of walking a line. Maybe they are going to be one of these players for a quarterback. I mean, even if it's like a tier B or C guy like Winston, um, yeah, you got to think that there's a follow-up move here to be made with that roster after they bring Josh Jacobs back. But I just, I guess I'm saying there is some um, – validity to maybe they just want to bring him back as the focal point of the offense around a really unproven rookie quarter or not rookie but young quarterback should, should we just call him john for the rest of our careers now <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding uh no you make a great point it's the stuck mode it's something we've talked about a lot it's not just Devonte. they signed renfro they signed crosby there's a bunch of con- they signed colton miller there's a bunch of offensive players um uh, that are in at least one or two years more fully guaranteed. And I don't think they're going to rip those contracts out at any point in time, especially from a trade perspective. So the question then becomes, and this is kind of going to be the theme sort of how we, uh, we operate this segment, Dan, do you see then a long-term extension coming for Josh Jacobs? Or do you believe that this is simply a, a placeholder, a holdover so that they can do, do, you know, justice to having Adams in this offense having Waller for one more year, he's fully guaranteed one more year, and then for sure he's going to fall off this roster, having an offensive line intact, and they're sort of just going to use all these pieces that are already paid to help figure out the quarterback position, whatever it's going to be. And by the way, you got to put Lamar in this conversation. Have to. The Raiders are going to be in, even though everybody else appears to be out. Yeah, Mike, I, 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 I honestly have no idea, like, the best way for them to kind of um, construct this and, and piece it together. I, Let me throw some I, numbers at you, and then maybe you can, yeah. just refl- you can deflect off of that. If they just keep them on the tag, obviously, it's a little under 11 million. It's a little over 10, 10.09. That's every running back's tag here. I've got them at four years, 52 million with 32 million of that fully guaranteed. So it'd be two, basically two at 32 is what I'm saying here. Uh, That's McCaffrey money. (laughs) Okay. Now that was McCaffrey money four years ago. So it's not like we've gone anywhere in terms of the ceiling. If he, if they just double tag him, it's two years, 22 million over the course of the next two seasons. So, (laughs) you know, the running backs just don't have much, much to wiggle room here. Um, he just turned 25. He is a full year younger than Saquon Barkley and Tony Pollard in this current situation right now. That's an advantage. However, and I didn't run the numbers, but I've heard him before. I believe he has the most baggage. I believe that he ran the most in college. He has run the most over the past five seasons. And 
he probably has the bigger, the, the lower shelf life from an injury perspective heading into the sixth season here. So all those things combined, is that contract, is that market value contract just way too much for you to consider? Is it much more likely that they double tag him over the next two seasons? Yeah, I, I like how you laid that out there. I, if you, especially if you take into consideration what 10 months ago, Josh Jacobs, we thought was a yeah. guaranteed cut off this roster. So, I mean, he had an insanely good um, 2022 season, but is the perception across the league changed enough to get him a big contract? I don't know about that whole four year, 52 million, 32 guaranteed thing. Um, but the whole double tag thing you laid out there um, makes mm-hmm. some sense to me. My question to you is, can they make that work if it's Lamar and not a rookie or young quarterback financially? I was just about to go there. If, if it's Lamar, if they do all the work to get Lamar and pay him, is it more likely they keep Josh Jacobs on a long-term contract? Well, good point. Or is that, no, or is that backwards enough. thinking, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I guess I'm just saying the double the double tag perspective for me would be to try and just keep this thing together for two years while you've got some you know, Wallers in the fold. You have Adams in the fold still in his prime. Um, mm-hmm. That is my thinking, but that's a good point that if Lamar Jackson does come in, you drastically re- reduce the need to have Josh Allen or Josh Allen, Josh Jacobs, <laughs> somebody to lean on like that on your roster. So yeah, okay. I, I'm, I, I could see it go both ways, but yeah, I like how, um, final play. verdict. He plays out the tag. I think so. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's, I'd say like 85, 15, yeah. that, that, that is the outcome here. Yeah. I'm with you on this one. Although I think of any of these three guys, he's the one that probably should get the deal, but you're right. It's, he's only been doing this for a cup of coffee. 10 months right. ago, he was, he and Daniel Jones were both off their rosters. Let's put it that way. Let's move to Saquon. Speaking of Daniel Jones, final, final minute, 4 PM extension for Jones meant a final minute, 4 PM franchise tag for Saquon Barkley. It's that same $10.09 million number, which means two years, $22 million on two tags. Uh, obviously, they're going to need some cap flexibility now with the Jones situation, uh, with a defense that has to get completely rebuilt in New York, with a left tackle who's probably going to make $25 million a year in Andrew Thomas. That's not being talked about enough. That dude is a straight baller, and he's going to go to the top of the market here within the next couple of weeks, in my opinion. Um, it's four for 50 on Saquon in our system right now, 12 and a half million a year. Let's call 30 million of that fully guaranteed. So two for 30, 15 million a year for Saquon Barkley. Is it, is it a similar situation for you or do, or does Daniel Jones being under contract change your approach for the giants now? Um, yeah, I, I think this is just sort of a half step forward from what we just talked about that they already have mm-hmm. the quarterback in place. Um, and they're able to fit all this under the cap. So yeah, like the, the two moves in conjunction with each other, I think make a lot of sense. I think if you make one or the other without, um, mm-hmm. you know, the follow-up, I, I think it's a little bit more puzzling, even though we just laid that out with the Raiders. Um, you know, like we, like we also talked about, there could be a secondary quarterback move coming. Um, the giants just had those options in house. They like what they saw last year. 
I mean, it would have been sort of pulling the carpet under from Dable and this whole team if, in some ways, if you made them start over. And, and you know, not to not to mix in the Daniel Jones thing into this, but like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, even if you don't love Daniel Jones, where else are you going? I mean, yeah. there's very few elite options out there. If you That's want to sit question there, for the Raiders, Dan. Yeah, right. We don't even know where they're going, and they already got rid of their quarterback. (laughs) Exactly. That's why I say that the Giants, they're a little bit forward on this um, compared to the Raiders because the market, we just really don't know what to expect um, in terms of availability with quarterbacks. So the Giants, like what they saw, Dable first year, Daniel Jones, Barkley together. You you know, this is going to be another – you know, last year you talked a lot about how um, 2022 was kind of the Giants' pain year in terms of making some tough cuts, um, really getting um, you know some of the dead weight off that roster. You're going to really see that front office operate now, um, add some receivers to that offense. I really, I really don't have an issue with this, even if three, four years from now we kind of go, that didn't look good, that didn't really work out. I have no issue with them kind of keeping the continuity and going for it here. So <clears throat> extension. For Barkley? Um, that is a little tougher for me to see. I kind of like the two-year number you put out there. Yeah, so um, do the Giants. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and um, and it gives you a little bit of runway with Daniel Jones to see, you know, you're giving him weapons. If he can't succeed with weapons around him, you know what you have with him. You can move on. You can move on from Barkley two years from now if you think you need to kind of restart things. Um. I'm going to say no on the extension. I'm going to zag. I, I think they give Barkley an extension. I think I think it's at the twelve and a half million a year, but I think it's got an increase in guarantees like I have laid out here. I think he gets closer to fifteen million over two years, so two for thirty, two for twenty-eight, something in that market. Um, it gives Joe Shane some cap flexibility, which he's going to need here. And you hit the nail on the head, but I think you glossed over it more than I'm going to. It, it's imperative that Daniel Jones not only has weapons has versatile weapons and weapons he can count on. Now, I understand the availability stuff with with Barkley and injuries is a red flag, but Barkley's rookie year was historic. He's now had three out of five years above average on his resume. To me, that's enough. And you can say that there's an injury problem. Everybody has an injury problem, right? Every single person we're talking about with any kind of length in this, in this league is going to have a significant injury on their resume. Um, and Barkley plays a position that's just unfortunately going to ramp that conversation up. I'm giving him two years fully guaranteed with the ability for me to manage the cap properly on that contract versus taking a bit of a discount to double tag him, which is less risky from the Giants standpoint, but less flexibility too. I'm, I'm building myself in. I'm, I'm going to, we're going to trust this process a little bit. Because Daniel Jones needs us to. Like we, we can't we can't just start over everywhere. By the way, they're starting over completely on wide receivers, essentially, right? Wendell Robinson, Isaiah Hodgins will be back, but they're gonna replace Sterling Shepard. They're gonna replace Darius Slayton. There's gonna be a lot of new. They're gonna replace Kenny Galladay, of course. There's a lot of new coming to this offense. So why not just keep the guy that you know can work when he's healthy and and push him out two years? So I, I think we get a deal done here. He just turned 26. Yeah, there's some baggage. And yeah, there's some red flags, but I'm going to, I'm going to vote extension on Saquon Barkley somewhere in this four for 50 range. Well, and just to add and shoot my own point in the foot, we have talked about it on this podcast though, but post post the, I'm sorry, after the end of the year, they directly asked Barkley, 
your intentions on quote resetting the market. And yep. he said he totally understands um, his place in the league. He's had injury concerns, durability, et cetera, that he's not chasing top dollar necessarily and that he wants um, a place that will work. So I, I think I didn't give enough credit. I think there's a ton of reasons why it still could happen, just like you laid out. And to his point, he directly said, um, you know, he's not the guy chasing the bag. So it's yeah, it's let me follow up on that. I've heard him say or, or his camp say around the 12 and a half, 13 million mark, the mixing contract. And the Giants probably came back with about 10 million per year, right? Something around the four for 40 mark because they can. That's a good starting point for them. They can't do that anymore because now they valued him at 10 with a $10 million franchise tag and they valued him at 11 over two with two for 22 on a double tag. So the second you've placed this tag on him, you've now increased your 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 floor for this contract offer. So at the end of the day, this is getting somewhere in the 12 to 13 million range, in my opinion. It's all about the two-year guarantee, though, which is how every running back has to be considering right now. Let's move to the Dallas Cowboys. Pay some bills here. Tony Pollard is recovering. Uh, that alone probably keeps Zeke Elliott on this roster uh, with some sort of restructured pay cut, all the, all the bells and whistles. Uh, they obviously like this player enough to, to put the $10 million guarantee on him. I think Tony Pollard should sign this thing as we're talking right now, <laughs> right? Um, because this is basically what his value is. I've got him at about three for 33, right around that $11 million mark. And you can slide that up or down based on the eye test and based on the injury. So there's, to me, there's a big range of where this can go. If you guarantee him 25 million over the next two years on an extension, who says no to that? Yeah, slam dunk for me that he should take that. I love Tony Pollard, um, mm -hmm. but coming off an injury, um, he was already established in an offense that worked. Good young quarterback pieces around him. Um, I think that is the best situation for him to, I, I don't want to say rebuild his value, but at least reestablish um, what we all thought he could have gotten going into this season before he got injured. So yeah, I like him um, to just resign there if the, if the, if the number is out there and it sounds like it, it will be a, a fair offer. So do you think he should get off this tag as quickly as possible? I, I don't, I don't it's know. It's just a I really don't. tough position to bet on yourself with, isn't it? I mean, it just feel, yeah. I I'm terrified for the dude that he's going to blow it out in week six and it's all going to be over, you know? Right. That's why I want to see him reestablish himself in terms of like the, like everything is healthy there because there mm -hmm. will be, there will definitely be some questions injury related, which there weren't even three months ago. He, he looked like he was going to storm into free agency as maybe the premier running back behind Barkley. Um, and sort of like the tar, like the apple of certain teams eyes, if you will, that he is just this like multi-dimensional running back. I bet some team maybe that's the Eagles, maybe that's some other really forward-thinking franchise, would have identified him as the guy to target and overpay if needed. So, um, yeah. Let me I throw think, one more at you yeah, because I, I'm thinking like like a sheared oil man here <laughs> that can leverage this injury a little bit. The, ta the double tag is two for 22, right? We've talked, we said that a bunch of times here. What if Jerry offers a deal that includes 18 million fully guaranteed? So it's 8 million more guaranteed than he's getting on this tag, but it's 4 million less than two tags would be. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Yeah. You're, you're, you're sort of hedging the risk that 
2023 doesn't work out for Pollard, whether it's injury, whether it's production, whatever, but you grabbed yourself an extra 8 million in the process. Does Pollard say no to that and bet on himself? I don't know. I, I think know. it, I think it's a fair, it's a fair point. It's a really interesting point, particularly at the running back position. Yeah. It's brutal, right? It's brutal. Yeah, we're, and, at, and we're, it's, gonna, it, we're about to pivot to a quarterback conversation of fully guaranteed collusion, right? And that this <laughs> is how polar opposite some of these position groups are in this league. It's crazy right now. I don't know. He's almost 26. Obviously, the injury is nasty and gruesome. So was Dax, right? So was Dax, but he's not a quarterback. He's not a quarterback and he's not a particularly versatile running back. I think he, I, I love him. I'm with you. I love him. But there's a lot of reasons you can deflate his value. And that's why in our system, he's about a $9 million calculation. I'm pumping him up to 11, 11 million per year just for logic and cap increase and all that fun stuff. Uh, I don't think there's a world where he's offered a $20 million guarantee this offseason. So if I'm betting, this is just a tag and they make Zeke's contract work to fit around it. We'll see if that's what, how it plays out here. Let's switch to tight ends. Evan Ingram. You know, former Giant got pushed out of the Dave Gettleman system, was just in a bad iteration of that Giants roster and uh, seems to have found a good home. Uh, I think the, the Doug Peterson version of an offense plus Trevor Lawrence plus a really nice array of weapons that now includes Calvin Ridley as well should be good enough reason to at least consider a long term option for Evan Engram. Where do you see him in the in the realm of tight ends right now, Dan? Is he? Is he an Njoku candidate or is he more of a Hunter Henry that had a ceiling, never really got there, still might never get there, but still got paid a decent amount of coin to in free agency? Where do you see Evan Engram right now on the spectrum? Maybe somewhere in the middle there, um, yeah. not to kind of um, punt on it, but he super athletic, super, super athletic tight end that is not just like the pure best football player you've ever seen. I mean, I'm not a film grinder, but this is like kind of the consensus that I, I hear. Um, so you put, he, I guess this is a long way of saying he's sort of a system guy in my opinion, um, mm -hmm. but he could be a very high ceiling tight end in the right system. So um, you believe he's in that system. I, I think you, I think he's a lot closer to, to that system than um he wasn't with the giants that's for sure um we saw you know just his rookie year an impressive rookie year and then beyond that uh for a variety of reasons it just fell off a cliff new change of scenery new uh head doug peterson super creative head coach i like it in terms of him to try and um reprove that that was you know more than just one season um so you I, think you're punting on the on the answer right so Njoku is about 13.75 per year. Hunter Henry's 12.5 million per year. What if I told you I have him tar targeted at three for 39, 13 million a year, right in the middle, yeah. right where yeah, you, right. you asked him to be. Um, I think three for 40, somewhere around there with 25 million fully guaranteed. The problem with that is that is the two tag price. Two tags up for this tight end right now is $25 million over the next two seasons. So you're asking him basically to take fair market value with cap flexibility for the team. He's probably going to demand more than that. I'm not sure he deserves it. I'm with you. I think there's more good than bad. And maybe the ceiling has increased in this Jaguars offense. But I think adding Calvin Ridley is going to decrease his production. Is that fair to say? Yeah, they really leaned on him late in the season. Um, yeah, especially and, in the and red I, zone. 
Yeah, for sure. So I, I agree with that. There could be some, um, you know, indirect uh, ripple effects that I wasn't taking into consideration. So, yeah, I think I'd take it if I'm him. I think I'd take something around 40 million over three with about 25, 26 guaranteed, basically just a two tag guarantee. I think that's probably right. He's 28 and a half years old, by the way. Right. It's came not in later. Yeah. He came in later and, and played out that full rookie contract. So uh, that's a little bit of a negative. Not, not that he's old, but you know, in terms of where we go with big paydays for tight ends, he's on the, on the backside of it a little bit. Uh, let's switch to defense. Deron Payne, Washington commanders, a team that I absolutely have no idea what's happening. Uh, they're <laughs> on my top five list of I'm, I'm lost conversations right now with the saints <laughs> handedly at the top of that list, by the way. Uh, Raiders are in that conversation, but the, the commanders are there right now. And by the way, they were one of the first teams to be out on Lamar Jackson because they're clearly in love with Sam Howell. Uh, but let's stay on the defensive side of the ball. Drum Payne had a great year, total breakout year in a contract season. They tagged him at 18.9 million. That's about his going rate. If I told you five for 100 is about his price tag. Think about this in context of the commander's defense though, Dan. You know, Chase Young's coming up. I'm not even sure where that's going. That might be a decline fifth year for all we know. That's It's been a rough, bumpy ride. But Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, you know, there's a lot of pieces that they've already paid and or are going to pay. But I don't know who they are. So do, are you dropping $50 million guaranteed on another defensive tackle right now? Or are you with me that this could be, maybe even more so than Lamar, a clear tag and trade situation? Mm. Yeah. I'm not close enough to have or smart enough to have had that cross my mind, but it's a good point, you know, taking with in conjunction with your what the hell are they doing point, because I don't know either. And why? Yeah. So why why are they doing this? Maybe, um, you know, uh, around the they get the sense around the league that that's his value and they can trade him. But I mean, I don't know. Is that can I throw a hot take trade offer at you? Yeah, because I have no clue. It's localized. <laughs> is this a way for the Bills to get off of Ed Oliver? Could this be Ed Oliver and a pick for Deron Payne? It gives it gives the commanders a one-year look at Ed Oliver at about $10 million. So it actually saves them $9 million, right, of cap and cash to do this, Washington. Buffalo gets a premier defensive tackle who clearly is, is on in his prime right now. They're going to have to pay him and extend him, but I don't think that's a problem right now in this system. The, stopping the run and plugging the middle of the defense has got to be one of Brandon Bean's biggest, uh, you know, checkboxes this offseason. This is a legitimate player to do that. He's a premier player, and it's not a great draft for that if you're sitting in the in the late twenties right now in, in the back side of the draft. So, I, I I think this could work for both sides here. It, it gives a one year stint for for Oliver and Washington, then they can move on and or be right back in this boat if he finally takes that step forward. And I think Buffalo gets a, a monster in the middle of their defense that they're looking for right now. So I'm, I'm not ruling that one out so far here. So, I mean, you think that the Bills can maneuver, you know, maneuver the cap appropriately with, you know, adding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I think they were ready to pay Ed Oliver this time last year. Yeah, <laughs> They wanted it to makes give that a contact extension. And now they absolutely don't. And it's not that Oliver has fallen off a cliff. He just he just isn't warranting that long year contract right now on this Buffalo roster. Maybe he fits better in in Washington's defense. I don't know the you know the X's and O's enough to to, to say that out loud, but I think a, a rental for Washington versus having to put another five year contract on their books makes a hell of a lot more sense for them. So yeah, yeah, it's I like it from Low, both sides. 
Yeah, lo- I, I just get caught up locally. The talk is where are we going to find money? Where are the bills going to nah, come up with cap space? I, I know, my, I know, Mike, you have laid that out several yeah. times that there's multitude of ways. Um, mm-hmm. I just didn't know with this specific player if they were um, really looking to bring in like a top end contract like that. But it makes sense, and and it is, you know, this team is not. They're not just going to patch holes with like prayer players. They're going to want somebody. It's, it's now time. It. Yeah, it's yeah, now right. time. And by the way, Von Miller might not be healthy. He might not be ready for 2023. So that's just another nick on that defensive line that they're going to have to consider. So I don't think you you bring another young third round pick in and say, can you get up to speed by August? You know, this is a way yeah. to just drop a drop a, a bunch of money into a situation and say, let's go. Let's go. Just be the same player. We need you right now. So I'm not going to rule that one out. I don't think I don't think that's the craziest bold prediction I've had over the past couple of seasons here. Uh, okay, it's time. And please uh, monitor my my preaching with this one. It's time to get to Lamar. Uh, I'm going to let you go. Whatever thoughts you have in your head on the non-exclusive tag, on the immediate backlash from the entire league, basically saying we're out, <laughs> right? On what kind of contract this dude should be thinking about, on his demand for a fully guaranteed deal, the Deshaun Watson piece of this the Ravens piece of this, the not having an agent piece of this, however you want to go, Dan, just give me everything off the top of your head. Well, I'm actually going to throw it back to you. That's dangerous. No, no, no. Just (laughs) lay lay it out for the listeners in through your perspective, what has happened over the last 24 hours, because I am going to do an awful job of trying to like to detail the nuances of what is going on here. So I know, I know everybody is probably at least, um, hearing the news and, and interpreting it in their way. I literally had no, no clue how to interpret all of this trickle trickle yesterday. So I asked Mike to explain it to me, which is what I'm doing now. For okay. The people, so. All right. I'll try to, I'll try to be succinct here. Um, non-exclusive tag was always the way this was going for me because this was not about garnering the best trade value for Lamar Jackson. This was about the Baltimore Ravens, stubbornly but also intelligently saying we're not going to give you your demands we're not going to fully guarantee this contract right now and we don't think there's a team in the league that'll do it because the deshaun watson stuff stuff was an anomaly and we believe it's going to stay an anomaly so the non-exclusive tag while it yes it it only offers up two first round picks if an offer sheet is isn't matched the plan was always going to be bring us your offer sheets show us your contract offers. And when there's not a fully guaranteed one, we'll match it. You'll remain a Baltimore Raven and we'll win the argument of see fully guaranteed contracts really don't exist in the NFL. Now we can tangent off if, if they should or not for another episode, right? Let's leave that out of this conversation, but they don't right now. And, and the point Baltimore's making and the point everyone else is making now with these we're out conversations is Deshaun Watson situation should never happen again in our league. I don't necessarily agree with that because I think the quarterback is powerful enough to do things like that, but that's what's being said here. Also, I think it's really important, and you can use the C word and say there's been collusion. Of course there is. These guys talk constantly um, in terms of the ownerships in the front offices. I think it's really important for the Baltimore Ravens to allow the franchise tag to play out because I think there are 15 or 16 other, other franchises in this league right now 
that want to see this path happen and become a path that they can use without looking like a bunch of jerks. They want to draft a guy in the first round, let him play out four years, exercise his fifth year option, hand him a franchise tag, let him play out that sixth year, maybe even hand him a second franchise tag, let him play out that seventh year and then trade him or push him aside and start that process over with the draft. We talked about this a long, long time ago that this was coming. This was coming because that rookie wage scale is so damn powerful from a financial value standpoint that if you are not the A number one quarterback in football, why not go this route? This route is available. It's legal. It's not a loophole. It's something the CBA clearly states out loud. I think Baltimore really always wanted to go this route with Lamar Jackson. And I think there's a lot of teams out there that want to be able to do that too. Right. And just to interject this, like in a vacuum, I know that you think that that might actually be the correct process to use too, unless you have the number one, two, three quarterback. Like, I mean, we we just sort of saw this play out with Daniel Jones, right? Like a guy that needs a, you know, next next quarterback up to get paid needs a contract, but really doesn't deserve $45, $40 million a year. So um, maybe that would have been a better process. So just, just like we're, not to be anti-labor here, but eat a lot in, in certain ways, we think that is the proper process in terms of like building a team. But I, I'll let you get back to it. So. No, it's it's totally fair. And the cap continues to go up. So it's not like, the, you know, slapping a franchise tag on a player is going to damage you too much for one season, especially at this position. Um, you know, Deshaun's sitting here with a $53 million cap hit right now. And, and that's going to become a normal thing when the Burroughs and the Herberts and, and the Hertzes of the world start to, t- to tie in these contracts. I, I just think there are there's a, bunch, a lot of things at play. One is the 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 six-year, seven-year quarterback career and then get out. Two is the Deshaun Watson factor. We don't want to see a bidding war of offer sheets that turns into that again. And I think owners are are very loudly saying that with their statements yesterday. And three, and I'm, I'm, I'm projecting here, but there has to be at least a concern about Lamar Jackson's character built into this. There has to be. The, the guy, you know, we're, we're not supposed to say, we're not supposed to talk about it. Nobody really talked about it. He didn't return for the playoffs last year when I think a lot of people, including his teammates, thought he was able to. That was, that was some sort of contract holdout or, or franchise relationship fracturing. So, you know, there, I think that's baked into the cake here too. Just another reason why teams aren't going to overexert themselves to even come close to his demands. Um, I want to throw it instead of you, you sort of reiterating what I just said, Dan, I want to throw this at you. If you're Lamar Jackson, are you okay going the Dak Prescott route? Cause that's what this is now. One year later, right? Lamar had five years. Dak had four. He's now got the franchise tag. Dak was sort of happy to play on that tag, got brutally injured on it and still made 160 million over four years thereafter. A nice, short, succinct deal that he's now going to get to redo right now, two years later, which is exactly how he planned this. This is exactly what Dak saw coming. If I, if I keep it short and I maximize my upfront guarantees, which is what he did, I'm going to be Matt Stafford and I'm going to be Tom Brady and I'm going to continue to have contracts every two years because I'm the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Isn't that how Lamar should be thinking here? Instead of five years fully guaranteed, I, w- I want to look and smell like Deshaun Watson right now. 
in a vacuum, I want to say yes. I also want to consider the team context, the offensive situational context. I think there ha- at this point there has to be, particularly with Lamar leading the way on his own negotiations and him being in conversations with that front office, there has to be some, you know, personal animosity there and maybe some um, desire to leave town on his part regardless. Um, and I also say that thinking about like the na- the sort of national narrative that who would Lamar be if he was in a different offense, not with Greg Roman, did the, I don't want to say did the Ravens intentionally stifle his value, but did the way they utilize him indirectly um, kind of keep a cap on the ceiling of his next contract. And now we're sort of seeing that play out um, these teams saying, well, you know, we see this in baseball with arbitration, a reliever gets used a certain way. And then when they go to arbitration, that team says, well, you weren't used in high leverage situations. Well, or we couldn't use you in high leverage situations. Well, that was your utilization of the player. So this team who had a run first offense, now you hear all this public, we haven't had any good wide receivers. All, all of this stuff kind of comes into Real. context, right? Where you have to at least say, you have to at least think, does Lamar look at that situation and say, is this the best place for me? Even if it's only a one-year deal on that massive cap, you know, like Dak was in a good situation. He was still in a forward thinking offense that wanted to throw the ball, which would in, you know, indirectly, keep his value in play. Like, am I making sense here? Or am yeah. I kind of struggling too far? No, you're good. Here? So, um, I mean, I just, I, I, to bring it back, I genuinely think um, he, w- sure, he'd have no, the money alone, he'd have no issue playing on that tag, but he's, he seemingly had an issue playing for that kind of money in recent years without any long-term um, commitment. Yeah. 10 million less last year and, and he didn't come back for it basically. Exactly. So I, I, I'm not wish casting it. I just think internally there's a lot of issues there that he has to be thinking somewhere else is probably better for me because like, I mean, it's not like he's going to go somewhere else and only get paid $7 million a year. Right. I mean, if he's a starter somewhere, he's going to get paid handsomely. It, it just turns into the extension stuff here. Like, is he going to get that fully guaranteed amount that he's looking for? Okay. You follow the the NHL quite a bit. It's, there's been a long-standing, unwritten rule between front offices about offer sheets. Is that fair to say? Um. Yes. Yeah. Whereas we'll scratch your back, you scratch ours. Don't try to poach our top player while we try to negotiate extensions and, and keep all of our guys intact. Right. We we won't do that. You won't do that. Everybody's good to go. It's just sort of the unwritten rule in hockey. Is that what's happening here? I mean, it sure stinks like it. I mean, I, I I don't know enough to say that, but I think to some degree, the Watson. See, it's so difficult because the Watson thing had so many layers to it, with like the whole. And, and it wasn't an offer sheet, but it was. Right. Right. It was a trade demand. Everybody place your offers. Best offer is going to win this trade, right? Yeah, exactly. So then he comes out of it, you know, maybe there's some, there's talent there. It's undeniable, but like a very shady character, then getting the most significant contracts in NFL history, all of it stinks. Now when 
a, you know, a similarly talented quarterback now comes to the market. I mean, we saw teams tripping, you know, we see teams chase Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold until the end of time. We see Brian Hoyer get contract after contract as backup. And you're going to tell me that nobody wants former MVP Lamar Jackson. Now the on negatives, there are, there have been injury concerns. So you can see from a team perspective team saying, I don't really want to fully guarantee the contract. Um, you know, since his rookie year, he's missed significant time. So like on that front, I do understand like teams not wanting to commit 230 million fully guaranteed, but Lamar also has a point where your league allowed this contract to happen. Historically, the next quarterback up gets paid similar, like in similar fashion to the best contract that just got signed. Like, I don't, I don't think he's in the wrong for following that blueprint. Now, I think he needs to budge a little bit. I, I, I think at some point he's going to need to kind of come to the middle because he, he just wants this like drastically fully guaranteed contract, which may never happen again. I don't know if that's collusion related or not, but yeah, I, I guess I don't know. I'm pandering at this point. Three options I'll give you and we'll get out of here on this. Rank them in order. Lamar Jackson plays 2023 on the franchise tag. Lamar Jackson never signs the tag and holds out. I'm giving you four options. Lamar Jackson gets a unindated, unimpeded extension from the Baltimore Ravens that he agrees to. Nobody else impacts that. It's just him and the Ravens working out a long-term extension. Or four, somebody actually offer sheets him and Lamar signs it and the Baltimore does not match it. I want option four bad. Um, Is there a team that'll do it? I have one. We've already said it. The Dolphins? Nope. Oh, that's my team. I think I think that I think the Dolphins are the team. We've seen them push barriers before. I think they would be the ones to, so to speak, cross the picket line on this. But um, who who's yours? The Raiders? Absolutely. Mark Davis doesn't give AF about the rest of the league. He's already, he's yeah. shown that so many times. He, if he smells this, if he looks around his roster, if he knows now he's got Jacobs in the fold and this offensive line is good and Josh McDaniels goes up to his office and says, hey, man, I tried to get this guy. I tried to draft this guy as a member of the Patriots six years ago. I know where we can go with this thing, right? This is my this is my Tim Tebow on steroids, to, to coin a bad phrase, which McDaniels has already gone through in Denver. I, I think it's actually a good fit. And I agree with you. I think there's got to be some sort of fracturing in that Ravens-Lamar relationship. has to be from Lamar's standpoint. Um, so if Josh McDaniels and Mark Davis throw an offer sheet out there, Lamar's going to sign it. <laughs> Lamar's going to sign it. Now, it's not going to be fully guaranteed. I don't think we're going there. I think Davis is smart enough not to do that to the rest of the league. But this I'm out, this unwritten rule BS that we're going through right now, and I get it. I'm not sitting in those chairs, but I don't think the Raiders operate that way. <laughs> I just don't. I think they are a one of one and they understand that that's a player that immediately makes them better in a tough division, but that makes them immediately better. And they don't have an option right now. I think their option is to pay Jimmy Garoppolo $25 million a year. Why wouldn't you just double that and have Lamar Jackson in your, in your, in your locker room instead? So I would put that as a two if I'm ranking one through four, um, 
I think Lamar Jackson plays out the franchise tag in Baltimore. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. I wouldn't rank that low, low, but that maybe that's just me putting too much on, um, you know, my personal bias that I think things are fractured there. <clears throat> oh no, I don't think it's it has anything to do with. I just want to be a Baltimore Raven. I think it's thirty-two million dollars fully guaranteed the second he signs it, and he understands that if he goes out there in this non-Greg Roman offense, by the way, which could look a hell of a lot different, right? It could it could look significantly different. And he goes out there and has the year we think he can have, which has got to be better than last season, only 12 games. Where are we now after Herbert's contract, after after Hertz's contract, after Burrow's contract, after maybe even something for Tua, although that's unlikely. And then, you know, we get into even more quarterback contract situations next offseason. Where are we now with Lamar? Right now he can take a an 80% fully guaranteed contract and it's going to be 225. If right now it's 180 and 190, that, that is logical for him guaranteed wise. He might make $40 million playing on a $32 million tag next year. You understand what I'm right. saying? Because, yeah, of the, just put- because of the increase of the cap, because of how quickly these quarterback contracts are moving, everything's in his favor to just wait. So unless the Raiders blow him away with an offer sheet, and I think they might, <laughs> and he, smells new blood and a new franchise with you know what could be a brand new start for him and i agree with that i think playing out this tag is just good business for lamar and for baltimore obviously too and it's a good point that like i i think i'm talking about this a little too much like it's a roulette wheel like you win or lose like the dude's still going to get paid at the end of the day one way or another so if he plays for 30 mil on a on a tag this year he's just pushing this $200 $200 million contract out another year. Um, it, it just turns into the question about the guaranteed money at that point, right? And so. let me throw one more thing at you. Once we get to July 15th, and let's say nothing has happened, and that's the deadline for the multi-year extension for Lamar Jackson. Let's say he's holding out. Right? Camp is approaching. He's holding out. He hasn't signed that tag. That's completely likely, right? He, he's he's, he's going to stay away from this team, which is bad news for the new offensive coordinator, but he's probably going to stay away from this team for a long time. And nobody's going to fault that. It's his prerogative. Um, it is not illegal for the Baltimore Ravens to offer him more money for one year. They can sign Lamar Jackson to one year, $40 million. They can hmm. increase the price tag on his, on his franchise tag, essentially, and give him more money to to try to woo him back to the team. Something they may have to do. I want to make sure that's out there. He can play on any one-year contract that's available to him this year. He just can't play on a two-year contract after July 15th. So don't don't sleep on that either. If the Baltimore's got to sweeten the pot a little bit with incentives or with the signing bonus or whatever they have to do to get this guy to play out 2023, I just think that's probably the most likely option and however it ends up ends up happening. But don't yeah, the, the Raiders. No, the yeah, this whole Raven situation is going to be fascinating to see it play out. I mean, we've heard rumblings about Harbaugh being on the hot seat. This DaCosta stuff doesn't look great. I think you saw the yeah. the the Players Association report cards come out, which the Ravens were very low in a number of um mm-hmm. <clears throat> in a number of categories. Their players were very public about it. So I guess I'm I'm sort of um taking inventory on a number of things that I think like signs are pointing to there might be a a full re a full reset there Mm -hmm. um whether you know we saw it with greg roman this past year that might include jim harbaugh next year Mm -hmm. um 
whether that's choosing to move forward with Lamar into the future or whether they, you know, whether they move on from him as well and do a full reset, the entire Ravens thing is very, you know, outside of just where does Lamar go or not go. I think like the ripple effects of the decisions made on that alone um, will be really interesting to watch here in the next uh, 12 to well, at least they paid the inside linebacker. That's all that really matters. Yeah, yeah, right. That's why I also I'm I'm just like, where are they going to find money to like go over the yeah. cap, the, the tag there to try and woo him? So, yeah, puzzling uh, stuff there out of Baltimore. Right. That's enough t- franchise tag talk. How are you doing on your baseball stuff? You, you are you are you watching spring training games? Are you just living behind the computer screen trying to crunch the numbers and get ready for this stuff? Where are you right now? Yeah, I am not doing too much in terms of physically watching. Um, What about the WBC? You going to be in on that? Yeah, I will be watching that um, a bit. I just have not, uh, you know us, we don't have time to, I don't really have time to watch exhibition games on a Tuesday afternoon. So um, I'm excited for that. I think, um, man, spring training stuff with baseball is very tough. Uh, new pitches added, velocities down, velocities up, best shape of your life. It's there's a lot of, um, mm-hmm. a lot of fat to kind of sort through. So, but in turn, I'm super excited for the season. Um, things mm-hmm. are, I, I'm knee deep in the, uh, in the, in the fantasy streets already. So, um, we're kind of, <laughs> we're going to get ready to turn the page here. Um, you know, now that the combine is over with, so Ugh. Right. Let's get through this March 15th free agency with the NFL and then we'll be back talking baseball. Good stuff, man. Thanks. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike. See you.